Is listening to music a good way to learn Chinese? How can you learn to understand spoken Mandarin in noisy environments? And what if your teacher speaks only in Chinese but you don't understand what she says? Hello and welcome to the Hacking Chinese podcast. This week's episode is a Q and A, focusing on listening comprehension, and the reason for that is that we have a listening challenge for January. As usual, the challenge is completely free to join, and it starts on the 10th and lasts until the end of the month. Should you be listening to this episode in my future, when the listening challenge is over, you can still go to challenges.hackingchinese.com to see what challenge is on when you are listening. The goal is to build language skills through daily practice and friendly competition. And so for January, then we're going to listen as much as we can, because as I've argued many times before on the podcast, listening ability is largely a matter of practice. If you want recommendations for what to listen to, you can check out the article on Hacking Chinese. If you want advice on how to listen and how to improve listening ability, you can also check out the article on Hacking Chinese, which also contains links to more reading and listening if you're interested in that. If you have a question about listening, you can send it to editor at hackingchinese.com, and I can try to cover it in an upcoming episode. Clearly, it's too late to include it in this episode, so let's turn to the questions that have been sent in previously about learning to understand spoken Mandarin. So in this week's episode, I'm going to try to answer three different questions: one about teachers speaking too much Chinese, as it were; one about if music can be helpful for learning Chinese; and one about how to cope with listening comprehension in noisy environments. As usual, my goal in these Q and A sessions is not just to answer the question as it was asked by the student, but do so in a manner that is helpful for other students as well. So I will talk about the factors that influence the answer, what it depends on, and so on. And if you want to learn more about the things I'm talking about in this episode, I will provide links in the show notes to articles on hacking Chinese where I go into more depth. So let's get started with the first question, which is from Emily, and she describes a situation where she's previously had one teacher for a semester who was very good at explaining things in English and making sure everybody understood what was going on, and now she has a new teacher who insists on speaking Chinese all the time, and she simply doesn't understand what this teacher says. What should Emily do? Let's zoom out a bit and see if we can understand the situation here. What we are witnessing here is a clash between teaching styles and indeed different ideas of what it means to learn a language, and also probably what the goal is. During her first semester, Emily had a teacher who made sure everybody understood, mostly by using English to explain things like grammar, words, and so on. If I were to guess what lessons looked like based on my experience, they were working their way through chapters in a textbook, and the teacher then explained the grammar and also the words, how they were used, and so on. They read this text aloud, maybe they had some tests and so on, and maybe Emily did well in this course. And now that we have a new teacher and things are completely different, things are not going as well, and learning Chinese suddenly feels frustrating. I can completely relate to this myself. My first year of learning was a little bit like Emily describes her first semester here, with a fairly strong emphasis on explicit knowledge, such as being able to explain a grammar pattern or say what something means in English. Then, when I started learning Chinese in an immersion environment with classmates who didn't necessarily speak English, my new teacher spoke almost entirely in Chinese, and I remember this as being very challenging in the beginning. 
Like I said, these are two different approaches to language teaching. One focuses on explicit knowledge and the other more on implicit knowledge and communication. The problem is that these don't transfer well to each other. So just because you know how to explain grammar patterns and characters and so on, that does not mean that you can understand spoken Chinese, as is clear from Emily's question here. You know all these words and sentence patterns and so on, but when a teacher uses these in context, you don't necessarily understand because that's not what you've practiced. If anybody asks you about how this grammar pattern works or what the words mean, well, then you might be able to answer these questions, but that is not the same as being able to understand spoken Mandarin. The opposite is also true, so just because you understand what someone says in Mandarin doesn't necessarily mean that you can explain why it's like that, and this is very common among native speakers of any language. You know how to use your native language, what it means and so on, but you can't necessarily explain why it is like that. You don't have that explicit knowledge. And this gives us an important clue, because we don't need explicit knowledge to be able to function well in a foreign language. It is easier to test, and many teachers also find it easier to teach, but as Emily has illustrated herself here, just because she knew all these things doesn't mean that she understands her new teacher, and the point of studying Chinese is to understand other people and be able to express yourself, and if you can't do that, it doesn't really matter what other things you do. Now, I'm making a big assumption here that Emily's new teacher is speaking Chinese at a level which is appropriate, and clearly it's not appropriate for Emily because she doesn't understand anything, but it is appropriate for the students who are used to their teacher speaking Chinese from day one. This doesn't necessarily mean that these students know more words and so on than Emily does, and that is not the problem here. It could just be that Emily knows the words, but she hasn't heard them in context often enough and can't parse them quickly enough and deal with all the other things that are associated with understanding spoken Mandarin, and so she doesn't understand. So if her old teacher had covered the same content, but mostly in Chinese, she would be able to understand this new teacher. I'm assuming then that the level is not twice as high as she's used to or something like that. This situation is not unusual, and in my university job I encounter it fairly often. Naturally, not all our courses are beginner courses, and that means that to the more advanced courses people come from all over Sweden and sometimes outside of Sweden, and that means that they have studied Chinese somewhere else, and sometimes there's a mismatch between what they have done and what we are doing. So if our teachers are teaching mainly in Chinese, and they come from some other institution where they teach mostly in English about the language, as Emily described in this question, then they are going to struggle in the beginning. And it's not because they've studied less, it's just because they are simply not used to communicating in Chinese. But like I said, most people learn Chinese in order to communicate, so without having more detailed information about this case, I would say that Emily's new teacher is doing the right thing, and her old teacher maybe should have spoken more Chinese in class. Now, this doesn't help Emily, of course, so if you find yourself in this situation, what should you do? So, first and foremost, don't panic. I just described that I found this very challenging after studying a year in Sweden and then suddenly being immersed in the language and having a teacher who spoke mostly in Chinese, and so how did I deal with that? Well, I tried to maintain a positive attitude and focused on the things that I did understand, because even if Emily says she doesn't understand anything, I doubt that's literally true. There are probably lots of words that she does understand and maybe other things too. So focus on these and pay attention. Your problem is likely one of speed, so that means that you are processing the spoken language too slowly, and that means that you can't keep up with the rate of speech, so you will fall behind and the result will be that you don't understand. 
Again, I'm assuming now that the course is roughly on the right level, so the content is appropriate. So for example, if you look at the text or you get a transcript of something you're listening to, you should feel that yes, there are new things here, but it's roughly something that I could study. The problem is that the way it's covered in class, i.e. only in Chinese, makes it very difficult. But if you have studied for one semester and you realize that this class is about reading news in Chinese, well, the problem then isn't that your teacher is speaking only in Chinese, it is that the content is well above your level. But assuming that the level is roughly right, you should try to listen as much as you can. And this means things in class, obviously, but it also means other things that might be associated with your class. Do you have audio recordings of things? And does your teacher send out other things you should listen to? Listen to them, not just once, but many, many times until you really understand them. And then also listen to other things. Find your own podcasts or other things you like listening to. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you can check out the article for the listening challenge for recommendations. We also talked about beginner listening specifically in episode 130, so check that out too. As usual, I'll put links to these things in the description. So the answer to the question what you should do if your teacher suddenly starts speaking in Chinese and you don't understand anything is to persist, to listen as much as you can, to also preview if there are things you can preview, and review. But mainly it is just a matter of practice. The more you listen, the better you will get at it. And if you can just endure being a little bit confused and a bit frustrated sometimes, your Chinese will be much better for it. So, moving on to question number two, which is from Akash or Akash, who wants to know if listening to music will improve their Chinese. So, the short answer to this question is yes, but. So there are two parts to it, and I will go through the yes bit first, and then we'll go through the but bit later. First and foremost, you need input, so that means reading and listening, to learn a language. And music is a form of input. It contains spoken language, well, or sung language if you prefer, and there are also lyrics that you can study, so there is written language as well. Listening to music is a great way to get more input because it's fun, quite relaxing, and doesn't at all feel like studying. I mean, compare listening to something from your textbook to a song you really like, I think we can all agree that the song is more agreeable. This is important because it means you will do more of it, so even if it were less effective than some other method, you might still learn more, simply because you're using it more often. Listening to music also fills a different niche compared to most other forms of listening, and there are two parameters that are interesting here. So one is that it's more fun and relaxing, as I just said. So that means that even if you don't feel like doing any other type of listening practice, you might still be okay with music, and that will then increase the amount of Chinese you're exposed to, and that's great. The other parameter is that music blends well with many other activities. For example, you might be able to listen to music while you work, but listening to an interview or a podcast while you work might be very distracting. Naturally, you're not going to learn as much having a Chinese song on in the background compared to focusing on a podcast episode or something like that, but it's better than nothing, and that is the point here. A big advantage with music is that it's something that most people are willing to memorize without really thinking about the fact that they are memorizing and learning something by heart. While I know that people are different when it comes to song lyrics, many people do learn the lyrics to lots of their favorite songs without actually trying to. 
In Chinese, if you're a beginner or intermediate learner, you might need to spend extra time with the lyrics to actually learn them. Just listening might not be enough. But you will then have an example or many examples of how these words are used in context and the different grammar patterns and so on. And this is so much more fun than doing a drill in your textbook. Finally, I also think music can be useful for the cultural access that it grants, and music itself is of course part of the culture, and being aware of what famous bands there are and what the most popular songs are and so on can be useful for things like karaoke, but it's also just something that most people know. So in the West, for example, most people know who Elvis Presley is or who the Beatles were and so on, and having no clue about any of this will be limiting in some situations. So the clear answer here is that yes, you can learn a lot by listening to Chinese music. As I said, however, there is also a but section, so let's go through that. The first potential problem is that language in song lyrics isn't necessarily the most representative way of expressing things. I mean, songs are deliberately creative and they might play with language or use slightly different forms of something to make it fit or to have a certain poetic effect. Still, I think this argument against using music is rather weak, because most of the text in most songs is still quite normal. The next potential issue is more serious, I think, especially for beginners, and that is the fact that in songs in Mandarin, tones are largely ignored. And this is indeed one of the most common questions from students when they understand that Chinese has tones. And so the question is, if Chinese has tones, how do you deal with songs and singing? Because if the pitch changes from the music don't match the tones in the language, well, you will have to choose one of them. So which one is it? Well, in theory, you could write lyrics where the tones match the music, but this is very difficult and usually not done in Mandarin. So the effect is that people just ignore tones. And herein lies the problem, especially for beginners, because if you don't know much about tones and you spend a lot of time listening to Chinese music, you will learn lots of words for the first time in song lyrics, and they will be sung in a way that would be incorrect if you spoke them like that in a conversation. I've experienced this myself many times, so let's say there is a song I like that has a chongyu in it, or an idiom, that is rare enough that I haven't heard it that many times outside of this song. Or we can just say that I've heard it many more times in the song compared to in everyday conversations or Chinese that I listen to. It can then sound weird when you hear it pronounced the correct way, because in your brain you have that version from the song, and that's simply not how people say this idiom in real life. Now, I don't want to put too much emphasis on this and recommend you from never using music to learn Chinese. As I said, there are many, many benefits. And I'm just saying that if you haven't learned tones properly, don't choose a method that relies a lot on songs, because I think that will mess with your tones and your idea of what tones are. So if the question I'm trying to answer here were, should I rely only on music to understand spoken Mandarin, I would say no, this is a pretty bad idea. But that wasn't the question. Instead, it was if listening to music can help improve one's Mandarin, and then the answer is clearly yes. If you want recommendations for music to listen to, there is a series on Hacking Chinese that you can check out, and I'll put links in the description. And just as a warning, many of the links there don't work because the articles are old and the material that they link to might have been taken down and so on. But you can still use it to find names of artists and songs that I like. But as we all know, taste in music varies greatly, so I encourage you to go out and search for music that you like.
This brings us up to the third question, which is from Sophia, and is about listening comprehension in noisy environments. And to be more precise, she says that she can understand spoken Chinese fairly well, but as soon as there is some noise or the environment is not very silent, it becomes very hard, such as a crowded place or a train station or similar. And so the question is how to practice to learn to understand Mandarin even if the conditions aren't perfect. This is a great question, and I will try to answer it first by understanding what's going on. What is it that makes you not understand when there is noise compared to when there isn't? And then I will try to discuss how to practice to get around this problem. So if we have a noisy environment and we listen to something that somebody tells us in our native language, we can then usually figure out what they want to say, even if we don't hear all the words because it's too noisy or because the connection is bad if it's on a phone call or something like that. However, if we try to understand the same message in a second language, such as Chinese, we might then fail to understand. So why is that? Well, of course, it could be that the message itself is more complex and you don't understand it, but we can infer from the way this question is asked that this is not Sophia's problem. If there is no noise, she does understand, and when you add noise, she does not understand. So it's not about the language being too difficult or there being lots of unknown words or grammar or things like that. It is about the noise itself. Those of you who have listened to my Beyond Tingbodong series should be able to figure out what's going on here and maybe also be able to explain why we don't understand this in a second language compared to our first language. And for those who haven't yet listened to that series, you can check out episode 111, which contains the first part, and you can also find an overview of the entire series there. The key here is to realize that listening comprehension is about two entirely different types of processes, and they are called bottom-up and top-down. So bottom-up is about extracting information from the actual sounds and tones you are listening to. So you identify sounds, you identify words, you synthesize sentences, and you build up to some kind of understanding. Most people mistakenly believe that this is what listening ability is all about. But that is not the case, because in order to understand something, we also need to use things we already know, and this is then top-down processing. So instead of starting from the smallest units, the individual speech sounds and so on, and then building our way up to understanding, in top-down processing, we do the opposite. So we start with some kind of understanding and then use that to interpret what we hear. We talked more about this in episode 121, which is part 3 in the Beyond Timbodong series, but to put it briefly, there are several different kinds of knowledge that you can draw on to make sense of Chinese you hear. First, we have linguistic knowledge, so this is information or knowledge about the Chinese language. It could, for example, be how words are used, it could be about grammar patterns and things like that. It should be clear how this can be beneficial when listening in a noisy environment, because if you don't hear a word, but you did hear the rest of the sentence, you can make very good predictions of what the missing word is, but that assumes that you know the structure of the sentence, what type of word might fit in that slot you didn't hear, and so on. And based then on all these other things, you might be able to make a very good guess of what you didn't hear. Now, I'm not saying that this is a conscious process where you reason with yourself and you come up with an answer 15 seconds later. I'm saying that your brain is doing this automatically and very, very quickly. 
But in order to do that, it needs to have these deeply embedded in your memory, otherwise you won't be able to draw on this knowledge to figure out the missing word. Still, linguistic knowledge is only one type of knowledge we can draw on. There are also other types that aren't related to the language at all. First, we have pragmatic knowledge, which is about how the language is used in real-world contexts, and this might then be different from the basic meaning of words. And in the Beyond Tingbodong series, I use the Nichilama as an example, and on the surface, this means have you eaten, but it is often just a greeting. This type of knowledge is not very useful for listening in noisy environments. It's more about being able to interpret what you hear, but if you don't hear it, this doesn't really apply. So let's move on to the second type. Discursive knowledge is about the structure of conversations or of texts in specific contexts. So for example, we know a lot about how our own language is typically used in different situations. For example, what do people say when they talk to a stranger on the phone? What do you say when you enter a restaurant? What do the people who work there say to you and what are you expected to say in return? And so on. These things are not identical across cultures, so having this discursive knowledge is very useful for understanding spoken Chinese in noisy environments, because if you can predict what someone is going to say or you have some good idea of what they might say, you don't actually need to hear everything they say to interpret it correctly. However, if their behavior or the things they say deviate from what you expect them to say, it's going to be very difficult. And this is of course true even if it isn't a noisy environment, it's true for listening in general. And that is indeed the case for all the knowledge types I'm talking about here. I'm just bringing up top-down processing here because this is what you really really need to understand spoken Chinese in noisy environments in particular. So the final kind of knowledge that you need is world knowledge. And this is essentially facts about the world in which we live. And this could be very big things. So if you hear someone say, the capital of France is... You know to a very high degree of certainty that they said Paris, and you don't actually need to hear the word. This is not limited to big things either. It could be things only you know, or only a few people know. So an example I think I also used in the Beyond Timbodong series is that I had a conversation with my brother who was on the metro here, and the line was really bad, so I heard basically maybe 50% of the words that he said, but I still understood almost every sentence, which would be completely impossible for anybody else, regardless of language skills, because the reason I understood what he said was that we were continuing a conversation we had had before, I knew he was talking about work, I know about his work, I know about his situation, and roughly what he was trying to say in advance. I could guess that based on what he had said previously. Also, knowing things about what his work situation is like and things like that makes it much easier to understand what he's saying, even if I'm not hearing all the words. I hope it's clear by now why this type of top-down processing is necessary to understand spoken Mandarin in noisy situations, because with this type of knowledge, you can interpolate a lot of things that you didn't hear because of noise or because of something else. And that means that you can understand even if you didn't hear all the words. So the reason then that Sophia doesn't understand Chinese when there is a noisy environment compared to when there isn't is because her top-down processing isn't good enough. She doesn't know enough about the situation, about what people usually say in this situation, and she doesn't know enough about the world, including small things such as things relevant to this culture or this place or something else, to allow her to guess the words that she doesn't hear. So the follow-up question then is, how do you deal with this? How do you practice so that your top-down processing will improve? 
This is something I will dedicate a full episode and article to later, but let's have a quick look now. First and foremost, you can improve your top-down listening simply by focusing on it. And this could be things like paying attention to context, consciously trying to guess what someone will say before they say it, and if you're doing some kind of listening practice or you're watching a movie, you pay attention to the situation, what people are like, what you know about the people, what you know about the situation, and so on, and you try to use this to predict or interpret what they are saying. When you do this, you will not always get it right, of course, so you need to revise your hypotheses and then update what you think they actually said, but this is something that you will get better at with practice. Another thing you should do if you aren't doing it already is tons of meaning-focused listening. Like I said earlier, you are not just using top-down listening when you're dealing with noisy environments, you're using it all the time when you listen to normal Chinese, and the more you listen, the better you will be at this. And this is not just for the top-down bit, it's also true for the bottom-up bit. If you've listened so much to Chinese that the processing of the basics, the easy sentences, the words you've studied and so on, is completely automated, you will have more cognitive capacity left to do all the guessing, the expecting, the hypothesis testing, and all these other things that I've mentioned. But if you struggle to recall the meanings of the words or figure out the sentence patterns, then there is no capacity left to try to figure out what went in the blanks created by the noise. Here we can also see why native speakers are so good at understanding their native language, even if the environment is slightly noisy, and that is because their bottom-up processing is so automated that they don't need to think about that, and that frees up a lot of capacity so that they can then use their superior prior knowledge about, say, the world, the context, and so on, and understand what's being said even if parts of it is filtered out by noise. Okay, so those were three questions about listening comprehension in Chinese. If you have any questions about listening comprehension or something else, you can send them to editor at hackingchinese.com. In the meantime, I wish you good luck with your studies, and I hope to see you in the listening challenge. Thank you for tuning in to the Hacking Chinese podcast. If you like this episode, please share it. More information and inspiration about learning and teaching Chinese can be found at hackingchinese.com. See you in the next episode, and until then, good luck with your studies!